Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 85. Okay, there's a lot to get into for this episode, and I want to start off with Nick Cannon. Um, I shared my sentiments about this debacle that he found himself in, that he created for himself, and I talked about it on my Instagram. And I just want to get on here because I wanted to really talk about the the nuance of this conversation. I think he's coming from one. Okay, here let's start from the beginning. One, I stand with the um, fighting against anti-Semitism and any rhetoric that supports anti-Semitic speech. So that's number one. And I've said this on my Instagram. And I think where Nick is coming from, and I see this a lot with a, with uh, some Black men who are either Hotep or Hotep adjacent. And Nick Cannon might just be Hotep adjacent. I... I think they speak this way because they want to create this own supremacy of their own that they never were afforded the the privilege to have in America. So now is the time to go ahead and salvage any any ounce of supremacy by only oppressing other oppressed groups, which doesn't make any sense, which is actually completely illogical. And as I was doing more research, I was learning more about why certain phrases, certain jokes, and yes, jokes are jokes. I still stand with the comedians when it comes to jokes, but he wasn't joking on this matter. He was speaking with such confidence. Like he just finished reading a history book on Hotep starter kit, and he was standing in his quote unquote truth. Um, and I just want to say that when we think about certain rhetoric that is, oh, we, we think like, oh, it's not a big deal, we're just joking, it's uh, it's just it, we dismiss it, right? And I can't find because he since uh put down his video, I can't find. Um, exactly what he said anymore. I can't find it anymore, but if you guys were under a rock, you you would know that he said some things along the lines of the Jews uh, run the world, they're a part of the elite, uh, they're part of Illuminati, and when we think about the Rothschild family, which is a Jewish family that is filthy wealthy, filthy wealthy due to their banking their banking uh, business. And because of this, they there's this assumption that they are a part of the elite. And they may be because they're that rich. If you are that rich, you may be a part of that elite crew, you know? Um, but I think when it comes to when it comes to that rhetoric, specifically being that they are of Jewish heritage, Jewish background, it's dangerous and it it brings us back to a time in history when that rhetoric was spewed down upon citizens and it made people feel like, you know what, Jewish people are evil. They are the reason why we are suffering. They are the reason why we can't move forward in this social ladder. So you know what? I'm going to support this man called Adolf Hitler. I'm going to support the Nazi regime. And I'm going to 
oust any Jewish person around me. I'm going to oust any half Jewish person around me. Okay. And you may think, you know, some people may think, well, it's not a big deal. That was so many years ago. Obviously, Holocaust is never going to happen again. But from my research, apparently, many Jewish families, when they come together and remember their history and recall um, just their historic, just their tra traumatic history, they are told yet again that this never could happen again, never again. This is the statement that they say continuously when they come together with their family, never again. And what they're saying never again is to never again should the Holocaust happen. Never again should we sit back and allow small jokes or small speeches or small conversations that's entirely rooted in anti-Semitism. Never again should we allow this because you know what could happen next? Next could be more propaganda about the Jewish culture, the Jewish community. And then next thing you know, another Holocaust could happen. And I think we don't realize how slippery our words get we don't realize how scary it is when we are speaking hate speech. And it's not to, because I think where Nick is coming from, I always try to look at where is this person coming from? Why would you speak this, this rhetoric? Why would you speak this language and do it so comfortably? And I think Nick is doing this or has done this. Um, he's since apologized and has apparently been educating himself on the Jewish history. And, and I'm I'm happy to hear that. So that's great. But before then, he was so gun-ho in what he was saying. So much so that I think he's doing that because he has a black man, has many black men, has all black men here in America. They go through overt racism, like straight up in your face, straight up and down, and they feel less than. They don't feel as a man should or has um, a white man is treated in America. They don't feel that reverence. They don't feel that protection. They don't feel that um, that help. You know, they're not often called in when it comes to a job interview. They're not often looked at as a trusted person. They're seen as thieves and all of these stereotypes and all of the racist history that black men and women, um, but I'm focused on black men right now because of Nick Cannon, he's a black man. But don't get me wrong, I know black women has gone through and does go through racism in America. But I think with that, there's something about when a man is not feeling like a man anymore. When they're feeling like, I'm like, what good am I that I can't fully be who I'm, I think I'm a man. Like I, I can't fully be this manhood that I apparently possess because every time I walk outside my door, I'm beaten down. There's a, there's a knee on my neck. There is um, just hate spewed against me. I don't have opportunities. I'm expected to go to jail. And if I leave jail, if I'm released from jail, I'm expected to go back. And then more often not, um, more often than not, I, I do go back, right? So there's this defeatist attitude that many Black men possess. And I sympathize with that. I hear that. I feel that. I see that. 
And yes, Nick Cannon is successful. He's one of the black men out there who is doing pretty well for himself. He's not a struggling black man. He's not on the streets, right? But that doesn't mean that he doesn't go through the same struggles, at least in a celebrity Hollywood type of fashion as a black man would on the streets. He still may be looked at as um, maybe not black enough or maybe not uh, professional enough or maybe not, you know, every, the last few years now, Nick Cannon has been on his pro-black tip, okay? When it comes to the turban, and yes, he has lupus and all that. That's that's different. But there, before then, he used to wear his hair, his natural hair out. And... As we all know, there is this hate campaign march, whatever it is, towards Black men and women when it comes to our natural hair. Um, just the other day, not to shame my sister, but so those who are watching the video can see my hair is done. It is, and even saying done is not even the language I want to use anymore. But my hair is braided. It's in a style that's braided. It's a protective style that I like to do with my natural hair and of course it's extensions obviously because it's a braiding style okay cool um but before i got it braided i had a previous uh braiding hairstyle that you guys may have seen already and right after that i washed my hair i took off my braids i washed my natural hair you know gave it the deep condition and tlc that it deserves and just let it breathe for like a day or two before i got my hair done well before i got it braided into this style and right before i got it braided i was on a facetime with my sister and she's she's immediately responded like oh when did you get your hair done and i know it's not and it's not to shade her it's not to um, it's not to do any of that, but it's, it's, it's a bigger, it's a bigger statement. It's a bigger statement because instead of just going about the conversation, it's about, oh my gosh, this natural hair of yours. You got to tame it. You gotta, you gotta go ahead and braid it down. Are you going to put a wig on? Are you going to do like, you, you can't leave this house <laughs> with your hair like this. And it bothers me. It bothers me. And I can't control other people. I can only control my emotions, my thoughts. And so I have, throughout the years, I have gotten better in my response when people would respond like that. Cause I just feel like it's so hateful. Like it's ignorant and it's hateful. Like you essentially hate yourself and you hate your daughter, your daughter, like, and I could go in, but anyway, love her. But the, the bigger point is when black women and black men are wearing their natural hair, there is this immediate discomfort. There's this immediate, I don't know if I could go to this establishment. I don't know if they're going to say uh, just a funny comment like, damn girl, you gonna get your hair done or damn girl, you brave for walking out. Like I shouldn't have to be brave for walking out anywhere with my natural hair. Um, and particularly there is discrimination when it comes to natural hair in the natural hair community. I have four C thick, probably four Z natural hair because my hair is super thick. And ever since I, uh, cut out my locks, it's like real version natural for kinky hair. Like it's like, it's not used to, I haven't blue dried my hair in three years. <laughs> so it's 
definitely not heat process at all. So it's super virgin like, and it's just that bang. I just came, I just came out the pussy with, my, with this hair type of hair. And um, but when you compare the the treatment of hair textures like mine to women who have more of a curlier texture or more of a you know smoother hair texture they are more revered in that sense and it's just strange and it's hateful and it, i always like to educate people in the moment but sometimes i don't feel like educate i just want to cuss you out like shut the fuck up like stop that's what i want to do but anyway where was i getting with this nick cannon there was a time before he was wearing his turbans he was wearing his natural hair out. And so he was moving away from this, this safe looking black man in Hollywood. Because before then, his hair was down. He had a, he was halfway bald. He had a haircut, his hair was down, and it was a safe approach. Like, this is a good guy. This is a good black man. This is one of the good ones. That's how Nick Cannon was throughout for for the most part throughout his Hollywood career up until recently he's becoming quote unquote more woke more woke and he has been more vocal about the black experience whether it's in real life or Hollywood life he's been more vocal lately and I wonder why that is because I I know that for a long time Nick Cannon has been looked at as this corny nigga like really Nick he hasn't really been seen as this, this sex symbol or this like this. It's just like, oh, Nicholson can't over there. Like, okay, cool. Um, he just kind of felt corny. And throughout his movies, too, he was always looking corny, too. Like, and there's a difference with a corny. Like, I don't think funny niggas are essentially just corny niggas. I love Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans, ever since the Wayans brothers, I've lick my bean to him like I love that and he was kind of corny on the show but he his corny was it was sexy in a way like he still had his cute moments and he still has his sex appeal about him even though he did corny things on the show according to his character he still had this sex appeal that I just I just loved about him and he was just funny to me like I maybe because I was just more attracted to Marlon Wayne's than I am to Nick Cannon but Marlon Wayne's could still hello he could get it today in 92 or 2020 <laughs> here's my number but he was he, so his corniness on the show or his character on the show um sometimes it could be corny but i laughed at it because he was more attractive to me in comparison to nick cannon nick cannon just always had this corniness like just like okay he's corny <laughs> okay um and ever since he got married to mariah i still thought it was corny like <laughs> nothing really changed and it, this was a common sentiment amongst the black community many people didn't really see nick cannon as a cool guy like okay he got money and um he got pretty women mariah carey christina million and he has a, a specific type if you if you know what i mean but he got pretty pretty women whatever but he was never considered as this cool guy never and i think there's this he was, I guess he was trying to find a way to fit in somehow. Like how hard is, 
how hard it is to be in Hollywood and to be accepted by the whites, right? And yet by black people, you're not as accepted or you're accepted, but you're laughed at. You're like a laughing, a laughing tool. You're looked at as corny and maybe he had a little identity crisis and maybe it kind of seeped into him. So now he's tapping into his blackness. Like, let me go ahead and be black, black. Okay. I know I can't go backwards and, you know, erase the corny things I did in the past, but right now and moving forward, I'm going to be black, blackity, black, black, black. And his podcast, you could see just the aesthetic of it is like black. You know, he has a black power fizz. He, the, the aesthetic is literally black. <laughs> like, okay, you are a black man. Got it. If only you, shit, he should just go ahead and wear black face and get darker skin and then he'll be more black. But he's really tapping into it. Um, he had a deal with NBC or was it? There was some comedy special that he had and he was talking poorly about NBC. He was just talking about the racist background um, that NBC has and what he's dealt with and just really speaking out on it. And I commended him for it, but because of that, he got dropped from NBC and he has been just more vocal about it. And that's been great. Like I support that, like speak out against racism and racism of all kind needs to be spoken out, not just racism against black people. And as a black man, of course, that, that's going to be your main focus. I'm going to speak out against the racism within my community. That's fine. If you just want to do that, that's okay, cool. But then don't go ahead and have a conversation where you are confidently speaking for racism against another oppressed group. How does that, that doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense to me. And it's one thing to have a conversation with someone who, um, so Professor Griffin, he apparently was a member of Public Enemy and got released from that group because he was too radical. And that's very interesting because Public Enemy is already a radical group. So to be too radical, that nigga, you radical, okay? And so when he was on his pop on Nick Cannon's podcast, there's this um, it's okay. Like I'm not against having conversations with people who may just feel differently than you, who may be just politically differently aligned. That's fine. I have conversations. Maybe you guys could just hear different perspectives. I'm sorry, this bra is suddenly feeling super tight on me. I've been having to wear a bra. Just side note, <laughs> if you haven't realized, I've been having to wear a bra lately. And y'all know I don't like to wear bras, but I haven't to wear one lately because my breasts have been feeling tender. And I know that's a sign that my peers on this way, which is definitely on time, but it's just, ugh. Just been feeling weird. Anyway, Nick Cannon. <laughs> so he had his guest on, Professor Griffin, and they're just go ahead. They're spewing just this hate speech against the Jewish community. And I just, I think I, I, Black people don't, a lot of Black people, not everyone, of course, but a lot of Black people don't see the problem in that, you know, because what Nick is saying He's also rooting it in, that's why Black people are the real Jews. That's why Black people are the chosen one. That's why we are hated so much because we have the real power. And here's the thing. I haven't looked into the Hebrew Israelites and who's the chosen one. Like I know the Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites according to what I've seen on the streets 
up north in New York or sometimes in Boston. Um, like I know that from that experience and what they inherently believe is that they are the chosen ones. And look, I'm not going to take that away from me. If you think you're the chosen one, go ahead. You chose. That's fine. But I think there's also this, this passe feeling that a lot of black people have when it comes to the Jewish community and feeling like we don't have enough space in our hearts to have empathy for another group of oppressed people who've been brutalized, who've been killed, who's been dehumanized just as we were. And I'm not here to play the oppression Olympics. I don't register to that mindset of, well, I was oppressed more. I was oppressed more. Um, so I don't think it's a productive conversation. And I think oftentimes when conversations like this happens within the black community, black people will just say, well, black, you know, black people, we were enslaved for 400 years. And even after 400 years, we went through Jim Crow, we were redlined, we were discriminated against the segregation and all of these valid reasons to still have hate in your heart in for America, right? I'm not taking that away from you. And I think there's this, you know, yes, Jewish people went through the Holocaust, but there's this like dismissive feeling like, okay, yeah, they went, yeah, 6 million Jews were killed. Okay, yeah, but you know, the black people, we were dehumanized, pillaged, raped, murdered for 400 years and counting to this day, we are still saying black lives matter. All of that is true. And I think there's this, um, because Jewish people, yes, they were, um, many of their ancestors were killed because of the Holocaust. Um, there wasn't much of a fight to continuously have Jewish people put down on the totem pole in America because many Jewish people were still able to um, pick themselves up by the Brewster by the by the bootstraps <laughs> and they were still able to kind of make a name for themselves so you have the family of the Rothschild family who's able to simply create a career a long-standing career a prosperous career in the banking field and to be considered one of the elites so there's I understand the natural hate that many black people may have when it comes to the Jewish community, because there's this, y'all were able to, <laughs> to get it right. You know, y'all were able to really pick yourself up by the bootstraps and nobody calling Jewish lives matter. You know, there's no March for them because they're not being killed at the rate and number of black men and women black trans, all of that in America. I get that. I get that. All that is accurate. And I feel that yet again, I still don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it's acceptable at all for oppressed groups to go against each other. That doesn't make sense. We instead should be fighting against the oppressor. The oppressor, there's no reason why Black people should be mad at Jewish people. That like, oh, y'all were able to get off, you know, work yourself up. Oh, y'all think y'all all that? Let me tell you who the real Jews are. Like, I don't think that's progressive. What are we doing? We have to fight against white supremacy. We have to dismantle all of white supremacy in which we see in work, in school, in our everyday life. We have to work against that, not against each other. It doesn't make any sense. So when certain rhetoric is said by saying 
oh, well, Jews, you know, Jews run the world and don't Jew down the price. Um, people may think, oh, well, we're saying Jews run the world. Like they have so much power. How is that anti-Semitic? How is that negative? It's negative because when you live in a society that has haves and haves nots, okay? When you live in a society where there's literally shows on TV that you could watch at any time, because these shows be running back to back, where if you guess the right trivia question, you could win $500,000. Yet there's a whole area called Skid Row where motherfuckers are just living on the streets, where veterans are living on the streets and they're not getting any support. They're not getting any compassion. They're not getting any type of sympathy. They're not looked at as humans. When a homeless person walk by you, what you do? You make sure the door is locked, right? You roll your windows up. You show yourself to suddenly not have any peripheral vision. You just looking straight <laughs> and it's fucked up. I do the same thing too. Don't get me wrong. It's fucked up for me to do that too. Sometimes, cause sometimes, sometimes motherfuckers be crazy. Let's just keep it a hundred. Um, but that's the society that we live in. So we have a clear vision of what a have and have not is. We are living it in this world. It's not some movie. We're not in the purge. I mean, essentially we may be in the purge, but we're not just seeing it on TV. It's in our life. It's right in front of us. So when you have some people saying rhetoric like, well, the Jews run the world, you know, um, they're, they're greedy or they, you know, they're wealthy, they're rich, they got it, they're good. You have the have nots feeling like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and continue to spew out this propaganda. I'm going to go ahead and continue to tell my fellow person how elite and nasty and evil the Jewish people are. And then yet again, there's going to be a, a, a following of people who will feel the same way, who will feel like another Holocaust is, is acceptable who will feel like this type of dehumanization of a person, of a group of people is acceptable. So it leads you down the, the path to the Holocaust yet again. And when Jewish families are congregating and they're speaking to each other and saying, never again should the Holocaust happen. This is what could happen and it can happen. Let's not be naive. Who would have thought Holocaust would have happened? Who would have thought slavery would have happened? Who would have thought anything, any of these things could happen? But it happened in history. And history finds a way to repeat itself. So we need to be mindful of the language that we use. We need to, no matter how oppressed you are in your own life, whether it's because of your um, minority background, whether it's because of your sexual orientation or sexual preference, however you want to say it, religious background, whatever it is, it gains you nothing to speak poorly and continue a hate speech towards another oppressed group. It's, it gains you nothing. So I just I just hope that Nick Cannon really learned from this and he could speak from that and that he could be an example to others. You know, there's a lot of hate now going against him for even apologizing, for even saying he fucked up. <laughs> and excuse me, you can't win 
you can't lose with this damn world that we live in. And you just got to stand in your own self, have a solid crew around you who could keep you stable because you're never going to make everyone happy. And that's fine. You don't want to make everyone happy because not everyone is for you. So, but he's, he's receiving a lot of backlash for, for apologizing. And of course, Hotep niggas are, um, not supporting that he, that he apologized. And Hotep, can I just, I think some people may not understand what I mean when I say Hotep. A Hotep is a man who's at the bar and he has a Kunta Kente cloth hat on his head. That's a Hotep. Okay, that's the same man who is saying a woman or his wife, yo, my wife will never go outside looking like this, dressed like this with, you know, skimpy shorts on with her breasts hanging out. My wife is going to stay in the house and serve me and have food ready for me when I get home. Okay, that's a part of the hotel package. Okay, a hotel is simply the agenda to replace the white male patriarchy with this black male supremacy attitude, okay? They want to gain or create that own privilege that they never was afforded in America because they were black men. So now they want to create this culture where they are the best thing ever, where they consider themselves as the prize. <laughs> like they be looking at women like, you know, you want this. This is what you want. I'm the prize. I'm the one you should be fighting for and you should be kissing my feet. That's a hotel nigga. If any nigga asks you or requests or mandates you to kiss his feet, that's a hotel nigga. Um, so please beware. I am here to warn you. Okay. And it's actually an Egyptian word that means peace. And it's more of a performative, um, like a performative stance to denounce anything that's against their mindset of what a black man should be. And it's, they denounce LGBTQ, they denounce women, they denounce feminism, feminist movement, all of that. They don't think a man should have feelings or should be accounted for, right? They don't think um, a man should ever say sorry. <laughs> they don't think men, black men should be gay. And they feel like there's a gay agenda. And that's a whole different conversation, but that's a part of the hotel package. So if you ever see a man at the bar with a Kunta Kente cloth hat and he's not even directly from Africa or directly from Nigeria, Ghana, wherever else, Senegal, that's a hotel nigga. And go to another bar, sis. Go to another bar. So I'm here to tell you that. Um, so yeah, I think there's... Um, I want to actually look over some glossary tips of what to avoid to say because these phrases and these terms promote anti-Semitic um, rhetoric. So specifically, there is a, a term called Jew down. So this is a, a 
anti-Semitic term for hagging or bargaining for a cheaper price. And why is this anti-Semitic? I'm literally just reading off of something that I Googled. I'm not going to link it because uh, they could sponsor me. <laughs> okay. So I want, shit, I'm going to link your stuff, pay me then. But y'all could literally just Google anti-Semitic phrases and terms, and then you're going to come across a glossary PDF that's 17 pages. It's very user-friendly. It's actually very helpful. Like if you want to teach a course about what is anti-Semitic and why is anti-Semitic, this could be a great resource to use. But anyway, I'm not sponsoring them. But there's a there's a term called Jew down, and it's called um, and it means haggling or bargaining for a cheaper price. And why is this anti-Semitic? I'm literally reading this definition here or this answer here. It's rooted in the false stereotype that Jews are cheap or stingy, the phrase Jew down may seem to be a harmless expression that's used in everyday vernacular. However, it is an insulting, anti-Semitic misrepresentation of Jewish behavior that plays into the trope of Jews as greedy money handlers who are unwilling to part with their earnings, okay? Um, Illuminati, we've heard this noun for years now. I was first introduced to the theory of Illuminati, whether it's true or not, sometimes I can believe it, but I was introduced to this in my undergraduate years. And it is a group or persons claiming special religious enlightenment. And there's a specific symbol that's associated with the Illuminati. And it's also called the New World Order. And the symbol is very... um reflective or similar to the star of David, which is a Jewish symbol. So it is, according to conspiracy theorists, the hidden hand behind every conflict, war, and rebellion in modern times has been Illuminati Jews uh, plotting to create a new world order. And this is clearly anti-Semitic. You know, we're thinking that Jewish people have this this uh, this hand behind everything that's going on in this world, and that we should be um, fighting against this. So, therefore, every Jewish person should be persecuted because of the Illuminati. So, this this continues this this uh, pursuit to continue to persecute and just put down the Jewish community. Holocaust denial is another one. There are people out there who really don't believe the Holocaust happened. I had an I have an ex um, who said this ignorant ass statement. He said this when we were young. We were teenagers at the time. So but sometimes he'd be saying things with so much conviction that I feel like he may still believe that same shit today. Um, but he was a Holocaust denier. Okay, he would say things like, well, how come we can't find the grave sites or how come there isn't a specific number given about the death counts? And, you know, as kids, you say things that you may hurt that you may have heard and we don't realize how dangerous it is. I'm hoping he doesn't feel that way today, but who cares? I'm going to that nigga. Um, but the reason why this is negative is because one is denying all of the people, all of the ancestors of the Jewish people who are living today is denying their death, <laughs> is denying their murder, is denying the killing of them. 
And the Holocaust also is the reason why many Jewish families have a gap in their generations. They are missing so many family members because of the Holocaust. So when we have conversations about this possibly never happened, it's just disgusting, it's disturbing. That's like me denying, that's like anyone denying if slavery really was a thing or if it really was that bad. <laughs> what the fuck? And another thing, oppression is linked. Oppression is linked. So my oppression may be different than your oppression, but understand we are still kind of chained together because oppression is still oppression, okay? Oppression is still oppression. And I'm saying that because Nick Cannon and other men, Black men like him, may feel so strongly about the anti-Semitic beliefs and speech, yet their speech would not have helped them if they were living in Germany, right? Because they still would have been Black men, Black people in that area. And Hitler didn't like anybody who didn't look blonde and blue-eyed, period. So you could very well be in support of Hitler. And yes, Jewish people are evil, but you would have been killed and executed just as well because you did not fit the, the prototype of what a human being should look like. Um, according to Hitler. Okay, so Nick Cannon's ass would have been executed just along with his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters that he's now saying in his in his sorry tour. So it's just ridiculous. Like you say, like there black people in that time in Germany were killed too. <laughs> Trust and believe they weren't spared. Anyone who didn't fit the 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 scope of how a person should look and be were killed. So there's no, he would not have been graced from that at all, just because he was supporting his speech. He would have been killed too. So let's not, it's just so dumb. Like when we continue a language that is in support of the oppressor, that is, that is um, just repeating the same hateful statements, we, it's like we're trying to get this validation from the oppressor. The oppressor is still going to be, it's still going to oppress. They're still going to oppress your ass. It doesn't change. Like you still don't look like them and you still don't behave like them. Or maybe you do behave like them, but you don't look like them and you don't come from the same background as them. So let's not fight each other. Let's fight the system. Let's fight the oppressor. That's what I'm trying to get at. Real quick, I have to talk about Kanye West and... Y'all, I think it's, I haven't dealt with anyone bipolar in my life, like directly. I may have heard of, oh, so-and-so, I think so-and-so got bipolar. Um, I know someone in my family who is schizo, but I don't know if that was even confirmed though. It's just like, ooh, that nigga might be schizo, but was, did he get that diagnosis from an actual doctor? You know, was it prayed away? Like, I don't fucking know, but I have yet, and I hope to not, but I have yet to experience anyone in my tight circle who is mentally challenged like that. And I'm trying to conjure up this sympathy that 
any person who's battling with mental illness should receive. They should receive sympathy and compassion and help. That's really the the only thing they should receive, honestly, help. And help is looking like someone who loves you enough who would take you to a psych ward and get your shit together. Yet he doesn't have that in his circle. And it's sad that he does, like, we don't know any family members that he may have on his mother's side who could just step in and help him. Um, he is so drenched into the Kardashian clan and they are not helping him. Nothing is happening. They're just going about this or just ignoring him. Or after he says another crazy comment, they say, oh, well, he hasn't taken his pills or, you know, they're kind of just saying it in a dismissive manner. And all this energy that Kim is doing to free uh, non-violent offenders, non-violent black offenders in America. I appreciate that work. That's great. But bitch, can you help your husband? Can you help us in the home first? You know, before you go outside of your house, can you also do some work here? Can you call the youngla somebody? Kanye needs help. And it, it as much as I'm angry at what he has said and what he has continuously said and what he has done throughout the recent years, I'm also feeling sad for him. He's out of his mind. And I'm angry more so because of the people he's surrounding with don't love him. They're just watching a show. They're watching him wreck. And no one is there to really do anything about it. So recently he has announced his his, his fucking presidential stance. He's running for president. And he has recently been on a campaign tour. He was in North Carolina, I believe. And some of the things he's literally, as y'all know, he goes off on a tangent and there's really no, what is the objective here? As a teacher, we create objectives for every lesson. There, The goal is to write or the goal is to identify the theme of this of this paragraph, identify the rhetoric language used, identify, you know what I mean? I don't know what I'm identifying with Kanye West. What I'm identifying with him is that he's a batshit crazy. And it's not to stigmatize those who are battling with mental illness. And it's not to shame them. It's not. But it angers me when you have been diagnosed with this illness. Okay, he said he's been diagnosed with bipolar syndrome. Why, for the benefit of yourself, for the benefit of your children, of your wife, of your family, why don't you care enough to take the damn pills? Go to therapy, do some holistic shit, like do something that could help you. Yet, so that's why I'm angry. It's like there's this selfishness there. I just, I just can't stand for it. Anyway, he said... Lord, let me let me find the clip and see what I could do. Let me find the clip. So he said a statement that 
that um, Harriet Tubman never actually freed the slaves. I'm just going to play it real quick. And let's see if it plays through here. This will be my first time doing it through the computer, and I hope it works. When Harriet, so, so that's a Stephen move. When Harriet Tubman, well, Harriet Tubman never actually freed the slaves. She just had the slaves go work for other white people. Y'all, we leave it right now. So that's a Okay, so I hope y'all heard that. But so Harriet, so Harriet Tubman said no. Um, can y'all just let Harriet Tubman rest? Like, I just need her to be literally resting in peace. In peace, you know, we say that a lot, but do we really leave people alone to rest in peace? And it's just so disturbing. It's so disturbing for him to say that she's literally um, freed. I can't find the number right now, but he's she's literally freed many, many slaves. Okay. She's literally risked her life. There was a bounty put on her for $40,000, which now amounts to, I think it was 2.2 million or maybe 2.2 billion, billion dollars on her head to whoever finds her, take her to whoever has that money and you could get cashed out. Okay. She could have died, but she still did what she did to get freedom for her people. And she said a quote herself. I can't, I don't want to find a quote right now, but I'm going to paraphrase that it wasn't, basically the ones, the, the slaves, the enslaved people who would be the master's favorite slave, um, who would be the master's uh, just kind of, you know, pet slave. <laughs> you know, this one's cute. This one's light-skinned. This one is, I'm not going to beat on her too much. I'm not going to rape her too much. They would be the Uncle Toms. They would be the ones who would rat out any other slaves who would try to leave, who would try to escape. And they would kill the regime and they would do so for the approval and for the acceptance of their masters. So they didn't even know they were enslaved themselves mentally. It's one thing to be slaved, enslaved physically, but it's another thing to be enslaved mentally. And they didn't know how much of a mental enslavement they were in when they were supporting their master, when they were being the snitch for their master um, and then snitched on their fellow slaves who were trying to leave the plantation. So she said they were the hardest to free because not only are they physically enslaved like the rest of us, but they're mentally enslaved and they are they are so devoted. It's, it's Stockholm syndrome. You know, Stockholm syndrome is when you are in favor and in support of, and you have some type of love and adoration for your offender, for your kidnapper, for your abuser. It's very, it's very disturbing. And so she was saying that these are the people who I had a really hard time trying to free and who I could not free and who I was inherently afraid of because they could kill this whole underground railroad that, I, that I'm creating here. Okay. So I think of Kanye and I think of that. He is dismissing the work that she has done. Like, I want him to sit down with his ancestors. I want him to have a divination 
Kanye. I want Kanye to have a divination and for his ancestors to whip his ass because it's, it's such a slap in the face. Now, there's something that I read on Twitter that, yes, Harriet Tubman freed many, many slaves, um, but she eventually, there was something that happened where she eventually did take some slaves. Maybe it's in this tweet. Let's see. But she eventually takes took some slaves and had them work for different white employers. And maybe that's what he's referring to, but it wasn't, from what I've read, it wasn't done with the intention of that. So here's the here's a tweet that I saw. So someone tweeted and said, she did not free slaves, which is what I completely disagree and which is factually incorrect. But there's a part that he says here, she was recruited to hire them for the civil war in exchange for their freedom. She was tricked thinking she was doing something good, but they lied to her and never paid her. She le- she lived off her husband's social security till she died. So I got to do more research on that, but that's something that I read that, that I thought was mm, maybe interesting. And maybe that's why Kanye said what he said. So I'm gonna look into that, but let's say this is true. <clears throat> she was tricked. Um, so let's not let's not bash her for that, but let's also not discredit what she has done before that moment. She has freed many, many slaves. And let's not forget that. We need a reminder in our history. Um, and if we do, Google is free and it's available. Maybe your Wi-Fi may not be free, but you could go to a shop and get connected real quick and, and figure that out. Okay. So he said that. Then here's another thing that I just cannot stress a lot. I can't I can't stress this enough. So let me just go ahead and play this clip. I hope you all hearing this just fine. Let me unmute it real quick. Okay, so if you haven't heard that little part at the end, he says he almost killed his daughter. So he starts off by saying, my dad wanted to abort me. My dad wanted to kill me. Um, and then he ends off by saying, I almost killed my daughter. So he's crying. He's hysterical. He is kanye out. And here's the thing with this, with this manipulation. That's really what it is. That's what it is. I'm going to make you feel guilty. I'm going to make you realize how horrible and disgusting and how I wouldn't be here if abortion happened, right? That's all a tool for those who are pro-lifers. And that's all a tool for you to feel so downtrodden and so guilty for your just possible 
consideration of possibly aborting your child. And I said this many times and I'll say it again. If you don't want an abortion, then you don't get one. Okay. If you don't want to um, have a baby, then you don't have a baby. Like <laughs> you, your feeling and your experience should not at all mandate me to suddenly be whatever decision that you are, right? You being pro-life should not impact my pro-choice feeling and experience. Um, he then talks about how he almost wanted to kill his daughter, his daughter North. Apparently he and uh, Kim were contemplating about taking abortion pills for months and then until God showed him a sign and they ultimately decided not to abort North. And here's the thing, it's always kind of uncomfortable to talk about like a baby who's here on this world, who's been here for a few years now and even saying out loud, damn, I was I was about to kill your ass. <laughs> yes, even though I am pro-choice, that does make me feel uncomfortable too. Like, you don't don't say that out loud. And it's it's weird because <laughs> I don't think he considers her. He just, he's not considering anybody. There is literally this mental block. And I think it's more than his mental illness. I think he's always been, I don't know. Like, I feel like Kanye was always just narcissistic. It was always about him. And it was always about how can I garner more attention? How can I be the victim in this so I could get more attention and praise and sympathy? So instead of caring about, man, my daughter is going to see this eventually, she's going to be hurt knowing that her parents was didn't want her and that they were going to kill her. I think instead of thinking about her, he was thinking about how can I be more, be more convincing for my position to be pro-life so others who were considering abortion can no longer anymore because he was supposed to be aborted. Oh, since Kanye was supposed to be aborted, I'm not going to abort my child who I can't afford, who I had because I was raped or because I'm in an abusive relationship and it's hard for me to leave and now I'm pregnant and I don't want to raise this kid because I, like this is so nuanced and it's so disheartening and it's disturbing and it's disappointing to just assume that you should just be this pro-lifer. We don't know the reasons why many people choose to abort their child. We don't know. And instead of immediately stumping your pro-life and your and your tears and I was supposed to be aborted, shut the fuck up. Go deal with that with your father. And why are you he's almost 40 and he's crying about that still? Maybe I'm not sympathetic enough, but I don't think that's the why are you still like you still mad about your you still mad at your dad about that? And let's consider the times <laughs> because 40 years ago, he was in Chicago, right? 40 years ago, he was struggling in, po in poverty. His father, I don't even hear too much about Kanye's father, but let's assume, let's assume his father wasn't really in his life. His father probably was a drug dealer, a crackhead. I don't know, but maybe there was some form of instability in the home. And oftentimes, that is the reason why many people choose to abort their child. They don't want to bring their child into this in 
to this instability ass dysfunctional ass home I'm not bringing a child in this and then some people may say oh well then you should have never got pregnant it wasn't my choice hello something called rape even if it wasn't rape sometimes you're in situations where you have no choice but to put out and then you're doing it for survival and when you're doing it for survival you are putting your body at risk to get pregnant and then you are put in a position where do I bring another child? Because oftentimes you already have a, children, okay? Do I want to bring another child into this mess? I would rather not. So I just, I don't know, man. I just, I think there are people out there who just don't want to be mothers. And you may say, well, there's precautions you could take to not be that, right? To not get pregnant, and yes, that's true, but sometimes even when you are on those precautions, shit happens, okay? And even though shit happens, you still are in your stance of, I still don't want to be a mother. Or maybe I don't want to have another child. Maybe one was enough for me and I don't want to have any more. I was watching Soul Food, the, the, the series, and bird who is this who's the youngest out of the sisters she already has a, a young child with her husband and she ended up getting pregnant again by her husband and although it's seemingly a, of an exciting moment right wow i'm pregnant that's beautiful it's life you know it's a miracle god is blessed you and all those things are true she had to come to the realization that she doesn't want any more kids She's a young, vibrant woman, and she never wanted any more kids than the one that she already has. And she was put to shame throughout that episode, except Terry was the only, who's her oldest sister, Terry was the only one who understood, who sympathized with her, and who supported her in her decision to abort her child. Um, And Terry doesn't have any kids of her own. She's been married twice, twice divorced. Well, maybe that's, that explains it. <laughs> but the point is, you as a man can't dictate what I want to do with my body. Because she was also giving her reasons as to why she didn't want another child. She didn't want to carry this baby. She didn't want to go through the differences in her body anymore. She went through it already with her first child. And she doesn't want to do that shit again. Like, you could have one child and realize, yeah, this is just going to be it. <laughs> this is going to be it. And you will not have any siblings, okay? And that is what it is. And that should not be shamed. So I just, you know, whatever. I, I just hope Kanye gets the help that he needs. And I also feel like it's unfortunate that he even had a crowd at that campaign. And yes, there will be, there will be people who will still support him and will just follow this circus and will just get their, their entertainment fix for the day. And that's sad. It's sad that we are even at all even supporting this shit show and no one from his camp is pulling him and telling him you need to get help i don't know how they need to do it i don't i don't know they need to force him into a, a, a mental health ward i don't know what it is but something needs to happen but it scares me that we're living in a world where he could just literally make his announcement for presidential run and start a campaign last minute, make it make the announcement last minute, then start the campaign when literally 
November's around the corner. <laughs> Y'all, we about to vote for a new president or maybe vote for the same president again, however, you know, whatever floats your boat. But we're about to vote again for the second term of a president, of a president. And there's a possibility that con that people will write down Kanye West's name on the ballot. And that scares me. It scares me because ultimately that splits the votes for Biden, leaving Trump to then get reelected. So I'm feeling like, you know, we know that Kanye West has worn the MAGA hat, Make America Great Again hat for a while. And he'll put it on here and there. And when he first put it on, he was really gung-ho and he still is gung-ho about it. But when he first put it on, it was very, it was crushing for us, for the black community to see this black man who was so quick to call out George Bush and saying George Bush doesn't care about black people, yet you're standing with a man who seems to not care about black people either, sir. Did you did you forget? Um, and you're seeing statements like slavery was a choice and Harriet Tubman didn't free the slaves and you're yelling at dark-skinned black women at your campaign, yet you're praising the white women who are there. What, like, this is beyond his mental, and yes, I have sympathy for his mental illness, but this is beyond that. This is this hatred that he has for his own son. Look at the, the women he's been with. All white or non-black women, okay? There, there's something going on. So I just hope that, I, I just hope that people don't really write down Kanye West's name on the ballot. I hope his name is not even put on the ballot, but I know you could write names on the ballot too. The point is, I don't like Biden either. This, this whole shit sucks and I'm about to lock, clock out <laughs> from this podcast, not from life. But it's scary because I, a part of me kind of understand why so many people are giving up on life. And it's not to condone suicide. It's not to... It's not at all to condone it, but it's, it's 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 an understanding that's there. That makes sense. I hope that's making sense to somebody. I'm not saying go ahead and kill yourself. Please don't. Please live and make the best of your life. But when you live in a world where it's seemingly like there's no way out, <laughs> we're in the house. Many of us are. I mean, some of us are. Maybe not many anymore, but some of us are. And some of us are still quarantining, social distancing, um, doing our part. And it feels like there's there's no hope. We're hearing here and there a new spike. Uh, a new person got contracted with the virus. A new person passed away from the virus. And then we're hearing some people saying it's not real. It's a, an agenda by the Democratic Party. And it's hard to trust anybody. And they were reminded yet again, Donald Trump is our president. So it feels hopeless. <laughs> I don't want to continue to beat on that, but I get it. It feels hopeless. I would have very brief moments, but I would have moments when I would think, like, damn, this is the world we're living. I would feel so defeated in that moment. And I, and I would just think about what does tomorrow look like? So this is me just saying we have to also, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the uncertainty in this world and the hopelessness that is apparent, still create our joys. Still find what is joyful to you and make it a priority. 
mental care, mental wealth is what you need to invest in, not in anything else. Invest in your happiness, invest in your joy and do that because literally that's all we got. We, we can't depend on our leaders, on the government to create our joy. Hell, we're still waiting for the possibility of another stimulus check. Where the fuck is that? So, y'all, just be well. Be well. Um, I want to end off. I didn't realize how much I've already talked. There's two more things I want to get get into, though. So, maybe I'll get into this later. Anyway, I'll get to, maybe I'll get to let me Let me try. Okay. So, I, you know what? I'll get into that later, actually. Because it's a bigger conversation. I don't want to give it any justice. I don't want to not give it any justice. So what I'm alluding to is I wanted to talk about adult friendships. And I'm 29, going to be 30 in February. Woot, woot, February 5th, Aquarius baby. As you all know or may not have known, I'm an Aquarius. (laughs) If that's not clear, bitch. (laughs) Um, But I want to talk about friendship and making friends in your adult life, in your adult living, you know, maybe um, living on your own versus living at home, maybe the differences in creating friendships and relationships like that. But just overall, being at a particular age and creating friendships that are genuine, it's hard to come by. It is hard to come by. So I'll get into that on another episode, but that's something that I want to... Let me just allude to some more things because that's already on my, I already said what I said. So I I noticed that there are some people out there who collect friends. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. There are some people out there who collect friends. And what does that mean? What does it mean to collect a friend? So a friend collector is someone who just has a, a, a shitload of friends or seemingly friends. Yet there's really nothing deeper in that friendship. It's really, we just out. <laughs> we just, we just out. You just call on me because you want to go out to this new spot. And I'm quick to say yes. I'm that friend who's available friend, right? Or you call on this other friend who may have disconnect. And y'all only talk because y'all have this connect. So you collect people who could serve a particular moment in time, a particular purpose in your life, yet there is not a deepness created or even interested in creating. And I noticed that that's something that I've noticed in my adult friendships, in some of them. And I can't rock with that. Like I, I, I'm the type of friend, I'm the type of person anyway. It's hard for me to, not, I don't want to say hard, but I tend to flock with people on a deeper level. And it speaks to the chemistry and the vibe that I feel with that person, especially on the initial take of that person. If I feel like, wow, this person's really coming from a genuine place. Like we're making eye contact, we're connecting, we're just talking and it's just really, it's deep, it's good. And it's we're really just getting to know each other. I appreciate people who genuinely want to get to know you. We're not just shooting the shit about just small talk. We're not just shooting the shit about what's the latest thing on the shade room. We're really having conversations. And those are the people who I flock 
with on an intimate level. Yes, you have other people who are just more acquaintances than I would say friends. But, you know, you just make things work and you live the life that you live. That's cool. But I'm more of, I'm not a collective friend. I, I'm mostly alone. I'm a loner by nature. And when I do like to spend time with people, I would rather it be with people who are genuine and who genuinely wants to get to know me and who genuinely wants to get to be known. <laughs> like, I, I also want to get to know you back. <laughs> you know, I also want to hear about you and your life. And I'm not saying every time we talk, we got to start crying, but I'm saying there's a difference in the energy when you're talking to people who want genuine friendships with you. So I've just been noticing that to be somewhat difficult, making genuine friendships in your adult life. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to kind of quickly go into that. Maybe I'll go into that more. (laughs) I already went into it more than I expected, but... Um, when I feel a vibe with people, I chase it. Like when I feel like, oh, this person, I could really connect with this person. I chase it. Yet, you know how people say, oh, well, I remember growing up and being in elementary school and hearing the phrase, if you want a friend, be a friend. That shit don't mean shit. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it does mean stuff, but I think what it means is sometimes you know, say if you're feeling lonely or you feel like, damn, no one's hitting me up. No one's checking in on me to see how I'm doing. That's your opportunity to show what you want and what you want to attract in your friendships. So in moments when I feel like lonely or when I feel like no one's caring or checking in on me, I take that sometimes, not all times, but I take that as an opportunity to reach out to said friend or said friends and just do a quick check-in, you know, or start a conversation. And a conversation will happen and the and the check-in will be nice and well received and that's cool and all. But then I get sad again because I think about like how come that shit don't be doing the same thing back? Like how come I have to always be the one to be a friend? <laughs> you know, like I want sometimes for people to check in on me and reach out and say, hey, girl, how you doing? You just crossed my mind. Or, hey, girl, I'm just in your neighborhood. You want to hang out? Like, I feel like sometimes, and this is not all friendships. I definitely have some good friends here. But there's sometimes I just feel like it's just more of me making that pull, making that push to be genuine and to make that first initiative. So collector of friends, just be aware of people like that. I, I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end. It's getting longer than I expected. But let's talk about this date that I. Yes, I went on a date, child, mm, with a nigga who's suspect. So let's call him Suspect Bay. Oops, my bad. Let's call him Suspect Bay because that nigga is gay. <laughs> and that's fine. Be who you are, but don't try to live a life of 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 lies with me. Can I say that again? Be who you are. That's fine. But don't try to live a life of lies with me. (laughs) Okay? So, I met this guy through an online dating app. Yet again. I'm about to delete that shit at this point. But it's for content. (laughs) Um, Anyway, 
uh he matched with me i matched back i'm okay he, he looks good enough like let me just see what how this conversation looking like okay so it it moved pretty quickly which i could appreciate because sometimes when you talk to guys online they just keep keep on the conversation like Nigga, when are we going out? Even in this pandemic, when are you taking me out? There's outdoor dining, okay? We could go to the park. We could go to the beach. <laughs> there's, there's stuff that we could still do. So please hit, please miss me with the, it's a pandemic. You could still cater to me somehow. Anyway, uh, we talked very briefly. He asked me something, like just like how's my experience been online dating? And I said how, well, you know, sometimes it's a hit or miss. And the miss would mostly happen because, um, excuse me, it will mostly happen because the guy wouldn't take the initiative to move forward. It just kind of felt like we were stagnant and we wouldn't be going out. It was just like, just, we just only talking online. The fuck? Well, what are we doing next? Um, I'm like, I'm your next door neighbor. What are we doing next? So... He then took that as an opportunity to ask me, when am I free? I told him when I was free. And then he offered, not offered, but like he suggested, hey, we should have a picnic. And I was like, oh, a picnic? Yeah, that's fun. Just because I like, I like stuff like that. It's creative. It's, you know, different than the norm, a dinner. And don't worry, I love a dinner too. But, you know, a picnic, I haven't been on a picnic for a little bit. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I love to cook, so I immediately offer, okay, cool, I can make such and such. He said he's going to bring a, a, a bottle of wine. And immediately I thought, like, damn, I'm doing too much. I'm, I'm over here telling him. And I literally brought pasta salad and honey barbecue chicken sandwiches. Like, I'm making the whole thing by myself. <laughs> Are you asking me out on a day and I'm over here feeding you? That's, I'm the prize. I'm the prize, hotep nigga. Um... He, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed cooking. So let me, I was trying to convince myself, like, this is not, look, I enjoy cooking. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. And I did offer. He didn't force me to it. I offered to bring the meals. So anyway, I already knew that he was gay or bi, whatever it is. I knew that he wasn't all the way hetero. So let's just say that. So, and I knew that instantly before we met. I knew that just based off of his pictures. <laughs> I knew that based off of um, just there's an aesthetic, there's a look, there's a facial expression that shows you're not all the way hetero or cis hetero, whatever. It's just cisgender. I, I think that that's a conversation that we need to have more in the community of, of blacks, <laughs> of anybody, honestly. But there's a look, there's something you could kind of point out, there's a mannerism. There's a, and it's not to say you can't have a hardcore uh, black gay man. I'm sure you can, but I'm talking about the ones who are not hardcore and who's in your face, but trying to hide behind a blanket. I'm talking about those niggas. Okay. So you may wonder then why did you go on a date? Cause I wanted to go on a picnic. <laughs> That's really it. I, <laughs> I did. I could have just gone by my damn self and I'll probably do that at a, a later date i'm gonna go to the go to a picnic by myself <laughs> shit go to the beach by my leg i just love myself and some people are just annoying sometimes but i think um 
yeah, he, he was definitely gay. So he, so we went on a date and I don't, I'm trying to wrap this, wrap up this episode. I don't want to get into too much detail, but let me just say this. We went on a date. Like I said, I already knew that he wasn't all the way hetero and I didn't feel a romantic sexual connection with him at all. Prior to the date, because I set the date for two days from our conversation. And we would video talk with each other. He, and I'm later figuring out that he probably did that because his phone bill probably isn't paid. Something, it was kind of weird because he immediately asked me for my Instagram. I was like, oh, he asked if I had an Instagram. I said, yeah. And then he said, he sent me his Instagram. He said, oh, add me. And at first I was thinking like, oh, do I really want to add this guy? Like, I don't really want anyone in my business or commenting on everything that I post or, you know, seeing that I have a podcast and wanted to talk to me about it. It's like, I just, can you just like step off? But I ended up just going ahead and doing it. So when I saw his Instagram, I knew for certain, oh yeah, that nigga ain't all the way hetero. I knew from then, but I knew prior to receiving his Instagram profile. So anyway, I um I really gotta pee. Oh my gosh. So I um what did I say? So anyway, so he then sends me videos on Instagram because you could send videos, just like short clips on on Instagram to a specific person via their DM. And he was just sending me video videos like, oh, how how you doing on this on this? on this sunny Monday type of, you know, conversation starter. And I'm just like, oh, this is what we're doing? And at first I'm thinking, okay, well, cool. He probably wants to see and be confirmed that I am who I am, right? Ain't no catfish. And you could kind of feel someone's vibe more um, via a FaceTime, a video chat. Can you kind of feel them and see their energy? Then you would via text, then you would as much via text and via phone call. So I understand that. But it's just weird because ask me for my number. <laughs> you know, ask me if that should be the first question for me. I, I don't, I just don't like when I meet somebody, and maybe it's different because we met online, but imagine if I met someone in person and they ask me if I have an Instagram, like, nigga, yeah, I do, but it's not for you. That's weird. Anyway, I went along with it because I'm thinking, okay, well, video chat, you know, fine. Maybe eventually he'll ask, maybe he'll, maybe eventually he'll ask my number. Fine. So we're video chatting. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going with it. It's, it's cool at first, but I'm over it because I like to take good videos or like good pictures, you know. So I gotta get the right lighting. I gotta make sure this pimple's not showing or I got to be at a good position where you kind of see the angle of my breasts. Like, I don't know Like I just want to make it look good. So it's just an extra effort that I have to commit to talking to you when it could have just been done easily or easier if it was through text or if it was through a phone call. So, Oh, sorry. y'all. phone call. <laughs> I feel like Joe Budden, you know, he'll get a phone call. He's like, this is Joe Budden from the Joe Budden podcast. <laughs> I love that damn show. Anyway, um, so he's video co- conferencing with me and I'm doing it back. And then eventually I'm just like, okay, <laughs> my response is in a text. Okay. And then it kind of calmed down. So then Wednesday comes, I meet him at the, the park that we agreed upon 
And I just knew, yeah, this ain't, this nigga ain't all the way hetero. So what's in there on the park? So first we, we greet each other, but he's trying to, mind you, I come out with a mask on. I put my mask on immediately as I step out my car. And he's trying to come close to me and hug me like, sir, there's a virus. <laughs> what are you doing? weirdo like what are you doing you're too close you're too close <laughs> but I know damn well if, if it was someone who I was attracted to I would have been like come closer <laughs> but whatever the point still remains if my mask is on my face why are you trying to get close to me that like doesn't that make sense so he comes close to me he asked me first for consent which I, I could appreciate um, which further explains how he's not all the way hetero because <laughs> ain't no straight nigga ask for consent. <laughs> Let's say that ain't no straight nigga ask for consent. Okay. They are quick to force it upon you and then be like, what's wrong? <laughs> like what? You raped me anyway. So, um, he asked me for consent. I was like, no, I don't want to. He's like, Oh, do, do you do hugs? I'm like, no, I'm not doing hugs right now. <laughs> like, no. Um, but it was fine after that. So we sit down, we start talking. He's a great conversationalist. And that's why, that's more of the reason why I came to, because I, one, I liked the picnic idea. I just wanted to be at a picnic, right? It was fun. I made this food. This is just cool. Yet I sat with him also because the conversation that we had previously, it was good. It was good. Like he was a great person to talk to. He was a good talker. So let me just go ahead and enjoy this time. I know this isn't anything sexual. Like, this won't ever be anything sexual. I know this won't ever be anything romantic. I know the door is closed, locked, key is swallowed, and cannot be shitted out. Okay? So, no. But let me just go ahead and enjoy this time. Key, key, key. So, I could appreciate that he wasn't touchy-feely, though. Because I know some guys could instantly try to get too close to you. So, I, you know, I'm glad that didn't happen. I could thank the pandemic for that. I could thank my initial energy when approaching him. And I said, no, I don't do hugs. I could thank that um, for his lack of closeness to me. So that explains it. But throughout the conversation that we had, he would say stuff like, yeah, when I was having sex with this woman... Yeah, when I was sex with this woman, yeah. So I'm fucking this woman or whatever. Like, he'll always add that part at the end of it. Like, yeah, I, I was having sex with this woman. And and I just feel like has if you are all the way hetero, you wouldn't have to qualify it with when I was having sex with, when I was having sex with this woman. You would just say, yeah, when I was having sex, right? Like when I'm saying when I'm having sex or when I'm talking about something, like I don't qualify by saying with this man, it's kind of, maybe it's poor to, to assume, right? But there's a natural assumption to make that, oh, it's with this man. Cause I haven't presented myself as such who is nothing but hetero. And we'll talk more about that because there's soon more to come on that conversation. But he will always say something like that or that specifically actually. And there was just, his mannerisms was just uh, just a tell sign for me to know, to further confirm what I already knew, what I already knew. And 
I I just be knowing shit. I really do. Like I'm, I, I could feel the energy in the room. I could feel your presence. I could feel your attitude and I could feel what you're feeling. And you may not even know, but I am clay. What, what is it? There's clairvoyant, there's clairsatient. And that's me. I'm clairsatient. I'm a good read of energy. So I read that nigga for filth. Like just inter- not in a negative way, but I read him as, okay, this is, I'm not really what he wants. And he talked about how he has sex with women. I'm not saying he happened to slip, but I, there was, it was just, it was like he was speaking in a performative way. He was like trying to talk to me and maybe try to convince himself too. But he was saying stuff like trying to, trying to show that he has sex with women. So in case I, if I have any doubt, I said, I have sex with women. <laughs> I've said, I had this woman who stayed in my apartment and didn't want to leave. Like, like his dick is that bomb type of thing. But here's the thing. When I, I think when a woman, when a woman cheats on you, that's your fault. <laughs> that's, that is your fault. That is your fault. Either she's not attracted to you or she's not attracted to you. That is literally one or the other. It's, it, it it's literally that. It's li- there's no other way around it. So when I think about, he was talking about, or when a woman doesn't want to have sex with you specifically, so that's what we were talking about. There was a relationship that he was in and she didn't want to have sex anymore or like her sex drive was low. And I think when a woman's sex drive, when a woman's sex drive is low, that simply means she's not attracted to you. Something about you is not hitting. And maybe it suddenly happened because you just didn't take care of your health. And now you're, you know, this, this fat ass walking around talking about where's, what's for dinner. You know, the gym, the gym is for dinner. Um, so maybe, maybe is that, but oftentimes more times than not, literally all the time when a woman is not having sex with you and she's in a relationship with you. Or when a woman cheats on you, it's your fault. It really is your fault. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> something about you isn't hitting. Maybe she's not attracted to you anymore. And maybe she just doesn't have that vibe. So when he was saying that about his previous relationship, that was further confirmation for me. She probably felt like, yeah, this nigga's gay. Or this nigga doesn't make me feel that chemistry and that spark. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're gay. It just means that there's something missing. And that that what's missing is his attraction to me because <laughs> I'm not a man. And you know, like I said, like who you like, live how you want to live, but don't live a life of lies with me in it. So he, um, the convers- the date, the I want to call it a date, the activity that we were on, <laughs> the 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 blanket that we were on on the grass. That was cool. That was a cool time. I ate my food. I enjoyed my food. It was. I enjoyed myself. <laughs> I had a good time with myself and conversations were great too. That's cool. But there was never a point in the conversation when I felt like I needed to lean over and kiss him or when I felt like I needed to lean on him. There was never a point. And, and let's talk about this. I had gel nails on. So gel nails are just like a hardener on top of your real nails to give it more of a finish, a polished look. And I had that um, currently I had that at that time and, but there were some nails that were already peeling off that I already took off a couple of days ago, maybe a couple of hours ago. 
And girl, when I, if a woman is ever peeling off her nails while on a date with you, you're not getting any pussy. <laughs> Can I say that again? If a woman is peeling off her nails while on a date with you, a date, you're not getting any pussy. Like there's no, <laughs> if I feel that comfortable enough to, I'm literally peeling off my nails. <laughs> Like, and I'm just like, I'm piling it on top of each other, making a nice cute pile. Like my pussy is not wet for you. It is dry. It is a Sahara desert. Okay. There is no, there is no water here. It is thirsty. You are not what's drenching this, this thirst at all. Okay. So that's a clear sign that this is not a romantic situation. And the date happened for like two hours, two hours. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, like, well, you know, I got to get going. I got some things I got to get done. And it was clear that he wanted, he didn't want it to end. It was clear that he did not want it to end. And, um, but I was, once I get up, I'm getting up and I'm about to go. So good night and goodbye. Drive safe, make it home. Um, so he was, I think he probably wanted for me to come to his house. Um, Cause you could tell that he just wasn't expecting for me to just leave and like leave to go home rather than leave to follow him to his house. That wasn't gonna happen at all. And y'all look, I've talked several times on this podcast about how I've had sex with guys who I probably shouldn't have had sex with and who I just did it with because I was bored. Not ever. Hey everyone, please support God Built This podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash godbuiltthis. You can pledge to pay $5 or more monthly. Any amount is appreciated. Your money goes towards production costs of the show and you'll have exclusive access to content that will only be released on patreon.com slash godbuiltthis. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash God built this. Now let's get on with the show. Am I going to have sex with someone who I am not attracted to and who I am not sexually and romantically attracted to? Like not ever am I going to have sex with someone who my pussy doesn't get wet for? That's not going to happen. So I don't care how bored I am. The answer is no. The door is closed, shut and lock the door. Okay. So we're packing up to go. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> oh, and I made it clear before I left too, because I think he was, so he was suggesting, oh, we got we gotta do this again. We gotta go out again. And I gotta take you to this spot, or I gotta cook for you, you know, if you're comfortable to come over my place. So that's why I was saying I felt like he wanted me to come over because he was alluding to, well, he specifically said, you know, he would love to cook for me and you know, just cook me this recipe or whatever it is. And I, and I sat there like, oh, okay, mm -hmm." you know, just kind of give him that courtesy response. But then I told myself, you know what, I'm going to continue being honest with folks and honest about my feelings and my thoughts on you and how it's just not there for me. And I've done this many times in my previous, um, situationships with guys, um, or fucks with guys, but I've, I like to keep it consistent. So I said, you know, I don't really feel like I just, you know, I, I see you as 
first I started off nice, like politically correct, because initially when we were talking just video chats, he was saying how he like he's interested in a relationship. He's interested in something serious. And I remember that. And I was like, mm, I'm not interested in that, especially not with you. So in that moment at the picnic, I said, hey, you know, I really, you know, I know you said before that you're interested in something serious and that's not where I'm at. I'm not interested in anything serious. I'm not interested in a serious relationship right now. And I also said, and then he tried to qualify. He said, oh, really? I said that? Like, I guess he suddenly had amnesia and he started saying how, well, he just moved to, to Texas a few weeks ago and he's not really looking into anything serious just yet. And that, does, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not open to um, something casual. And he was saying how he said he's not opposed to a serious relationship. So he was trying to backtrack. Nigga, you said that, but whatever. Like, I don't really care to debate you on what you said. Like, I'm not still fucking you. So that's that's the end of the story. The end. <laughs> um but then afterwards, so once I noticed that he was backtracking, I said, I just don't feel a, like, I don't feel a connection with you like that. Like, I just see you has a bud, like has, I literally said bud. It's, if a woman is calling you a bud, wrap it up and throw away the condom because no. So anyway, I said that he was trying to make it like not feel too much of a rejection. So he said, oh yeah, you know that's fine. You know, men and women could still be friends and it'd be platonic and blah, blah. And although I agree with that statement, I don't agree that that could happen when the man wasn't on that same page initially. If the man initially wanted to fuck and wanted to be with me, then me rejecting him isn't suddenly going to make him uh, like tuck away those feelings <laughs> and those thoughts, you know, they're just gonna find a way to 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 snake their snake themselves into my pussy. So I, it's just I think that's it's it's a form of gaslighting. It's a form of gaslighting. You know, you're thinking it's one way, but it's really another. So I'm gonna disguise my sexual desire for you because. Yeah, we could just be friends. We could just be platonic friends. When no, nigga, you we can't. You you want to fuck me, and I don't want to fuck you. So we just gonna have to end it right here. That's the end of the sentence. Period. So we wrap things up. Um, we hug. So I'm like, yeah, you know, get home safe. <laughs> get home safe. Get home safe. Text me when you get home. Oh no, he said to me uh, actually. Um, I said that back, but he said back to me, text me, you know, let me know when you get home. And we hugged goodbye. I did, I did hug him, but he gave me this side hug, like disappointed, like, damn, I didn't convince her enough. <laughs> Cause like, we know what it was. Like, I think sometimes, and we've also talked on the date or the picnic outing that I'm very, like, I could spot energy real quick. Like I'm very, I can see shit, like, period. Like, I can see what it is in front of me. If you're trying to blindside me, I can see you before you do it. So, nigga, you lying to yourself. You're really lying. You're not lying to me because I, I see the truth right in front of me. You're not lying to me. You're not all the way hetero. So you're not lying to me. 
you're lying to yourself and you're trying to convince yourself. So in that moment where we hugged goodbye, he gave me a side hug and his head was down, didn't even give me eye contact. I felt like he was disappointed in himself for not being all the way hetero <laughs> and not making it work with me or whatever. So, and not it convincing, not convincing me enough to feel like, oh, let me go ahead and go home with him. And, you know, to feel enough attraction for him or any attraction attraction to him to go ahead and move forward with this date. No. So I got home and I already told myself I'm not texting him. I'm not going to text him. I made it home. And he never texted me, which is interesting because it's like, if you really care if I made it home safely and cool, yes, I'm talking about he's not all the way hetero. I'm not attracted to him like that. But the point is, if you really cared, if you really was that nigga, if you was really was trying to be convincing, right, you still, you would still go at it. That's how I feel. Like you would still go at it. You would still make it a point to try to shoot your shot more. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> but I mean, that's fine. Look, it, it leaves the job easier for me to, to wrap up anyway. But yeah, he never texted me and was like, hey, you made it home? He's clearly saw me posting my stories and you could assume, well, he could tell that you made it home. Yes, that's true. But I also feel like just courtesy. You said, it's just weird. So we we haven't spoken since. We have not spoken since. This was like a few days, like just last weekend or last week actually. And we haven't spoken since. But he's been on my stories, just watching everything. And it's just like, we haven't said anything to each other, but you watching every shit that I'm doing? That's weird. So I unfollowed him and I hit him for my story. So there's that shit. And I know he listens to this podcast. Well, he listened to a previous episode because <laughs> I told him about my podcast. So he may he may listen to this and yikes. But either way, I'll just block him on Instagram. He doesn't have my number anyway, so we'll just figure it out. <laughs> simple I love a block button but I love a mute button first I do love a mute button first because I feel like you know you don't have to block all the way initially but until you realize yeah I don't really want you on my shit um I'm just gonna mute you but anyway that was that and what a date that was um but that just inspired me I'm gonna go ahead and go on a picnic by myself. When the weather is is nice, it's suddenly going to rain all week here in Houston. But I'm going to wrap it up here, y'all. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing and commenting and reaching out to me with your commentary. I welcome it all. It's very entertaining to see how much of, of an entertainment entity I am for you all. That's great. Um, I definitely received some good feedback from my previous episode with I Changed My Mind. I have this listener who reached out to me and said how he's a regular listener. That's really, it's humbling. It's really nice to feel that and know that there is support out there and that people are caring. And, you know, I do have an audience of my own and I'm looking forward to cultivating that more and more. And, increasing that and going up from here. So thank you again for your listens. And if anything that I said resonated with you, if you would, if you have been enjoying this podcast, this episode and previous episodes, I encourage you to rate me five stars. I encourage you to leave me a comment on either platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. I encourage it all. So I thank you again for your listening, for your listen. And I look 
forward to hearing from you all soon. And next episode will be coming up next week. So thank you all again. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.